Hey, well, thanks so much, Shane, for the prayer. We are wrapping up our series uh, entitled No Offense today because we live in a time where people can get easily offended. And if you have not been offended recently by something online, you haven't been online. Okay, that's all there is to it. Because we live in a divided time. That's what Shane was praying about. We, uh, we live at a time when people have differing opinions, and they're not nice all the time about the way they share their differing opinion. In fact, if, they, if you don't agree with them, man, we may trot out all, sort of personal, all sorts of personal attacks and name-calling and what have you. And that's not the way Christians are supposed to act. And so even if our culture goes headlong that direction, we're called to be something different. That's what this series is about. And so when we talk about um, not being offended, today we're going to talk about what's at the middle of the whole thing, and that is choosing to love rather than choosing to be prideful. If you're here with us in person, there's an outline for you. If you're online, you can go, if you're watching us online, you can grab it uh, through the app as well, or at our website, you'll find an outline there. And it's really important to remind ourselves that Jesus commanded us to love people who offend us. He did. Now remember, during this series, we've, we've talked about taking offense as being upset or angry because of what somebody else says or does. And like I, like I mentioned a minute ago, this is our whole culture right now. I mean, we love to stay upset and angry over what people say and do all the time. And we don't let go of it. But for Christians, that's not an option because Jesus said this, You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love only those who love you, what reward will you get? Are are not even the tax collectors doing that? And tax collectors were the most notorious sinners of his day. And if you greet only your own people... What are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? So be perfect, therefore as, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And we've been talking about this the last few weeks because it's so important for us to let go of our right to be offended. And if you think about it, you go, well, why is that so hard? Well, it's hard because if I hold on to my anger, my anger and being upset, that gives, I, I put value on that. Because when I'm angry and upset, I can say, well, I'm right and you're wrong. And if I hold on to being right, then I'm saying, I choose that more than having a relationship with this person. And this is why it gets us all crosswise with God. And if we hang on to our anger and being upset and saying, this has value to me, then I can go around saying, well, you know, I'm just trying to settle the score here. And I have to keep score. Because if I let go, maybe nobody else even noticed how much I was slighted. But I noticed, and I'm going to hang on to this. But last week we read scriptures from the New Testament where the Apostle Paul reminded us, let God settle any score. Just let him handle it. You don't have to keep score anymore. You don't have to walk around being offended all day. And God wants us to know that freedom. With that in mind, I want to talk about the biggest obstacle for us letting go of offenses, and that's our pride. Will you pray with me, please? Lord, sometimes when people offend me, I don't want to let go. 
because I was right. And who do they think they are correcting me? And if I let go of being right, well, then maybe nobody else will take up for it. And Lord, it doesn't mean that I don't speak my mind. It doesn't mean that I don't stand for what's right. Lord, i got to let go of the anger. That's what always trips me up. And so, Father, I just pray that my motive would be to communicate truth. My motive would be to stand for the things that are important to you. It doesn't mean that I can't think what's right. It doesn't mean that I can't vote for what's right. It doesn't mean that I can't argue for what's right. But I need to do so in love, not in anger, and not in self-righteousness. And, Lord, at the middle of this is my pride. We're going to talk about that today, Lord. And this is a deep sin. And, Lord, we need your help to root it out. We can't root it out on our own. So, Father, I pray that today you'll speak and move me out of the way. Lord, we need your help to be able to love people who offend us and to let go of the offense so we can deal with things with a calm head and a clear mind. In the name of Christ, we pray these things. Amen. Well, our biggest obstacle to loving people who offend us is our pride. And here's how I'm defining pride today. It's a high or inordinate opinion of one's own dignity, importance, merit, or superiority. Or it's a feeling of deep pleasure or satisfaction derived from one's own achievements. And after the end of that, after achievements, if you write write in a few words, in comparison to others, or just write the word comparison. Pride is always about comparing. It is. I may be pretty, but that's not what is important to me. It's just that I'm prettier than you. And I may be smart, and that's good. I got a 98. Uh, I got a 95. Well, good luck next time. But if you got a 98, well, then uh, that doesn't give me any satisfaction because I want to be smarter than everybody else. That's what pride is. And it's in our lives, all of us. We're always comparing ourselves to other people. We are. That's why Paul wrote this in 1 Corinthians 8. Or First of all, let me remind us that pride and love are opposites. I want to fill in the blank here. I don't want anybody to write me. It's like you skipped over blank one and now I don't know. Okay, pride and love are opposites and cannot coexist. Let me just start there, first of all, because it is terribly important. It, because if I'm going to be prideful, it means that I look down on people who are beneath me. Well, it's awfully hard to love God who's above me and look, I can't look up and look down at the same time. I got to choose one. And if I go around comparing myself to, to others, well, that's frustrating because I'm always going to find people who are ahead of me. And if I work hard enough to get ahead of them, as soon as I get there, I'll find somebody else who's better than that. And even if I get there, how long can I stay there? And it'll ruin all of the, it'll suck all the joy and happiness out of my life just trying to go around pretending to be somebody I'm not or to pretend to be somebody who's better than you. And the Lord doesn't want us to do that. He wants us to live free and open lives, trusting him. This is what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 8. He said, we know that we all possess knowledge, but knowledge puffs up while love builds up. Those who think they know something don't yet know as as they ought to know. 
What he's talking about is accumulating more knowledge than the next guy. I know something you don't know. Smarter than you. One day, when you come to a level of understanding like I have, there, there, you'll be wise too. That's pride. Here are a couple of other contrasts. See if these work. Love values others. Pride values self. Hey, what did you think of me? I mean, if I'm a humble person, I'm interested in what you're doing. If I'm a prideful person, I want you to notice what I'm doing. Did you know how well I did that? Wasn't that amazing? (laughs) I'm good. And when you hear that, it's even offensive to us because that's just the way we're wired, yet we can all do it. It can sneak into our lives just like this. Love values relationships. Pride values winning. I may have to learn this when my wife and I first got married. Man, with my brother and I, when we would fight and stuff, it was always about winning. And then I get married and people told me, do you love your wife? Yeah, well, it's not about winning. It's about the relationship. And then we'd get into an argument and she'd go, stop. Are you trying to win? Yes. And I was just about to. If you hadn't stopped me, I had a killer point just about to come. And she goes, look, if you're trying to just win, then I don't want to do this. I want us to work this out. And that's something I had to lay down for our marriage to reach another level. Love is about relationships. Pride is about winning. Love values forgiveness. Pride values being right. I'm right. I don't need to forgive you. I don't need to be kind to you. You're wrong. And that means you're stupid. And that means you're ill-informed. And that means I don't have to respect you in any way, shape, or form. I'm right. And oh, wow, that's going on in our world right now. And because we can express our views with just our thumbs and hardly anything is face-to-face, people say all kinds of outrageous things. James says, we praise God, and yet, yet call other people names, people who are created in God's image. Well, this, is, this should not be. This is wrong. How can we use the same tongue to praise God and then curse people made in his image? Listen to love the way Paul defines it in 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. It keeps no records of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. I mean, he doesn't say love compares, love wins at all costs, love demands and shouts you down if you disagree and says, how stupid can you be? That's not love. That's pride. And now you know why we're talking about this today. It is a sin that's deep inside each one of our hearts. C.S. Lewis, uh, the author of Mere Christianity and all those Chronicles of Narnia stories, he said it is the mother of all sins, and it takes root deep inside of our hearts. 
That brings us to the next point here, that pride is so insidious, so tricky, that it can cause us to stay angry and offended at others even while we're serving God. I can be prideful in church because I sing better than you. I gave more than you. I'm more devoted than you. Look at me. How come nobody has noticed how righteous I am? This is why Jesus told a parable one day. This is not in your outline, but it's in the Bible. In Luke 18, Jesus told a story. This is starting with verse 9. He told a story about, to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. He said two men went into the temple to pray one day. One was a Pharisee and the other was a despised tax collector. Remember, a notorious sinner. And the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. Oh, I thank you, God, that I'm not a sinner like everyone else, for I don't cheat and I don't sin and I don't commit adultery and I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh, God, be merciful to me, for I'm a sinner. I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And Jesus acknowledged that pride can work its way into the middle of your prayers. Even when we're serving Jesus, pride can be in there. Pride can be in this room among us. And then it's terribly hard to forgive offenses. I mean, that Pharisee was offended that the tax collector was even there. Thank you, I'm not like him. We can do that too. Who let them come to worship? Hmm. Let me bring another story in that takes it a little closer to home. This is from Luke 10, 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. Now she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made, and so she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, and indeed only one. Mary has chosen what's better, and it won't be taken away from her. It's from Luke 10. You go, well, John, she's just upset about this. What does that have to do with pride? What does it have to do with holding an offense? Okay, let me state this story another way. Let's take a step back. Jesus is standing in her living room teaching Speaking God's word out loud. I mean, we're reading it from the Bible. Jesus was saying it out loud. I mean, he could have been talking about the very story of the tax collector and the Pharisee that we just read. He could have been, they could have been hearing that for the very first time right there in her living room. And Mary sat down and wanted to hear whatever God in the flesh had to say. And Martha, knowing this, hearing that Jesus was talking, she could have heard it too walks into the room, and you can imagine her drying her hands on a towel or an apron or something like that and going, hey, Lord, excuse me, I know you're in the middle of the Beatitudes or whatever it is you're talking about, okay? But I have something more important than your teaching for my sister. Lord, doesn't it bother you that my sister isn't helping me? Lord, tell her to help me. Let's phrase it even another way. You can make a, one request of Jesus today, and your request is to straighten out your stupid sister. That sounds prideful to me. 
Instead of walking in and going, oh my goodness, God in the flesh is standing in my living room. She walks over to God in the flesh standing in her living room and tells him what to do. Lord, you're not running the situation right. That's prideful, I think. And we do it all the time. We come to God and we can pray, God, what do you have in store for me today? God, what do you want me to notice today? And that's not what we pray about. We go, Lord, would you straighten out my ridiculous kids? Lord, would you straighten out my stubborn husband? Lord, would you straighten out so-and-so and so-and-so? And would you fix this and this? Because I've got things to do and get them in line with my program, Lord. Amen. And we go, how come I don't have any peace today? Hmm. So I think Jesus responded to Martha and he said, I read it pretty quickly, but I think it really would be more like this. Martha. Martha. You're distracted. You're not thinking clearly. Mary's chosen what's most important. There's only one thing really needed. That's my word. And she's chosen that. I'm not going to tell her to go help you make dinner. We can eat sandwiches. Comparison, resentment, anger were all there while Martha was serving Jesus, talking to him face to face. You can get in my life too, and it's just pride. Jesus, I know you got things to do here today. I know there's things. The Bible says you have things prepared for me to do. But, Lord, I've already got my own ideas on how that should work, and, Lord, let's get them done, okay? Amen. That's pride. That's what she was doing. The Pharisee was telling Jesus who he should, whose prayers he should listen to. Martha was telling Jesus how the evening should go. She forgot that he's the king of kings. When he walks in her place, he's the host. It's kind of like when the president walks on the plane, whatever plane it is, it's Air Force One. Even if it's a four-seat Cessna, it's Air Force One. When Jesus walks in your house, it's his house. And we need to surrender that. Now, it's important to note on this that pride is easy to spot in others and very difficult to see in ourselves. If you hear me bragging, you go, oh, man, that guy is full of himself. If you're bragging, you're just stating what's obviously true. <laughs> I'm not prideful. I am right. I mean, how can I help it if I'm smarter than everyone else in the room? And when you hear others say it, it's immediately offensive. But we're blinded to it. And that's why Jesus told the Pharisees this. These were the most religious people of the day. Not the least. Woe to you, teachers of the law, the Pharisees, you hypocrites. And other places in this passage, he called them blind guides. They had a huge blind spot. They couldn't see their sin. You're like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside. But on the inside, you're full of bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you, you appear to people as righteous. But on the inside, you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Because they were consumed with self-righteousness and pride. And they were always offended that everybody else wasn't keeping up. And they were instantly offended if somebody didn't give them respect. Because they were more righteous than everybody else. And Jesus didn't respect that at all. And that's one of the reasons they couldn't stand him. And they crucified him. 
They hated Jesus. That's why there's a warning here in your outline. God hates pride and will oppose us when we become prideful. I mean, Jesus opposed the most religious people of the day, the people who should have recognized him, because they wouldn't recognize him. Jesus corrected Martha, a good friend, because she's pushing her agenda over his agenda and calling him Lord while she's doing it. And holding on to an offense about her sister in Jesus' presence. Mm. James 4, 6, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And James is quoting Proverbs 3, 34 there. Old Testament and New. In his pride, the wicked man doesn't seek him. In all his thoughts, there's no room for God. I mean, again, I can either look down on Mary and how foolish she is, or I can look up to Jesus and listen to him, but I can't do both, and Martha made her choice. What's my choice today? Am I going to stay angry and offended and be right and win? Or am I going to do what Jesus said? I'm going to love my enemy and pray for the people who are mean to me. Realizing they're lost many times. They don't know Jesus. Or if they're a believer, they've gotten deceived. How are they going to find the truth if I don't show them? Lord, would you help me do that? And this has been all throughout the Bible. In the Old Testament, Moses, who received the commandments, had an older brother and an older sister, brother named Aaron, a sister named Miriam. And God used Moses and uh, he used uh, Miriam, and Aaron, Miriam and Aaron to help him. But after they'd been together a whole number of years on this 40-year journey to the promised land, Miriam and Aaron both began to think more highly of themselves than they should. And in Numbers 12, it says, Miriam and Aaron, Aaron criticized Moses because he'd married a Cushite woman. It's an Ethiopian woman. And they said, has the Lord spoken only through Moses? Hasn't he spoken through us too? But the Lord heard them. And so it's always important to remember, too, when we post something ugly on Facebook, the Lord has Facebook. We tweet something that's unkind, the Lord's on Twitter. He knows what we write. He even knows the thoughts and attitudes in my heart, even if I don't send face things. Has the Lord spoken only through Moses? Hasn't he spoken through us, too? But the Lord heard them. Now, Moses was very humble, more humble than any other person on the earth. And the Lord called them out, and he called them. He said, Moses, I want you and Miriam and Aram to come to me in front of the tabernacle, the tent of meeting. And the Lord said to them, he said, I speak to Moses face to face clearly. He sees the Lord as he is. So why were you not afraid to criticize my servant Moses? The Lord was angry with them, and he departed. And as the cloud moved from above the tabernacle, there stood Miriam with her skin as white as snow from leprosy. Apparently, they were criticizing Moses' wife because Ethiopians are dark-skinned. And for seven days, she had to sit outside the camp, and Aaron was going, oh, no. She and Aaron both asked for forgiveness, and the Lord gave it. He said, you have to wait for seven days, because I'm not going to allow this among my people. If you're going to lead my people, you have to understand this. Pride doesn't go. Moses, I chose him because he's humble. He doesn't fight me. He loves who I say to love. He goes where I tell him to go. He stops when I tell him to stop. This isn't about comparing yourself to Moses. This is about listening to me. And I'm not going to allow this among my people. 
you understand, if we're going to have a right relationship with God, he wants us to be filled with love. He is the vine. We're just a branch. And he wants to pour love in our hearts. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Love doesn't seek its own way. This is God. This is what he's like. And if I'm going to be like him, then i got to get rid of the pride. And you know what happens when I experience love in my heart instead of pride? I experience freedom. Think how freeing it is if I don't have to keep score, if I don't keep, have to keep track of how many offenses everybody committed against me, if I don't have to compare myself endlessly to everybody. I mean, think how freeing that is. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. If that's good news to you this morning, would you say amen? Freedom from what? Freedom from having to be right all the time. Freedom from having to win every argument. Freedom from destroying relationships. That way we can have friends. That way we can disagree with people without destroying them. That way we can experience God's love flow through us. He, doesn't, he can't flow through prideful people. Good news. God will bless us if we humble ourselves. This is what's behind the prayer in Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me, know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. God, have I been posturing? Have I been posing? Have I been pretending? Have I been keeping score? Have I been win at all costs? Have I been posting ugly stuff? Because I'm right. Search me, O oh God. Show me. Get rid of my pride. Look, if I want to let go of offenses, I have to let go of the pride first. But the only way to get rid of pride is to acknowledge that I have it. And if I'm not sure I have it, ask God and he'll show you. He will. You pray that prayer, he'll make it abundantly clear. Sometimes through a spouse, sometimes through a friend. Almost certainly through his word as we read it every day. 1 Peter 5, 5, and all of you dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. I mean, he's quoting Proverbs 3, 34 also here. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time he'll lift you up in honor. I don't have to worry about people thinking I'm right. The Lord says, I'll defend your honor. If there's any score to settle, I'll settle it. You give up your anger. So then we shouldn't Ever write a letter to the editor? Of course you should. But leave out all the expletives. Leave out all the name calling. Speak the truth in love. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time he'll lift you up in honor. He will. One more good news statement here. God will give us the power to let go of offenses and genuinely love people who offend us. He will give us the power. God will. If we humble ourselves, he says he'll exalt us. If we humble ourselves, he'll empower us to be his agents in the world. This is what Paul was praying for when he prayed, to the prayed for the people in Thessalonica. So we keep on praying for you, asking our God to enable you to live a life worthy of his call. May he give you the power to accomplish all the good things your faith prompts you to do. And then the name of our Lord Jesus will be honored because of the way you live. And you will be honored along with, it, along with him. Now this is all made possible because of the grace of our God and Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says, look, that's what I'm praying for. That God will give you the power 
to accomplish the good things he puts on your heart to do. If God has put on your heart today, I want to be an agent of love in a world where there's lots of hate. I want to speak truth, but I don't want to destroy people. Then God will give us the strength to do that. This is so important today. I want to close by praying a simple little prayer. Uh, if you have your outline with you, it's in the connect group questions. Number one, it's a little letting go prayer that um, I shared last week. Shared it on Facebook this week, and it was shared all over the place. Hundreds of times, or over a hundred times, I should say. Uh, and that's important that we learn to pray this prayer. I want you to listen to it, and then we're going to pray it together. Lord, I realize that the hurtful things people say and do are more than I can bear. So please cleanse me of any anger, impatience, sadness, or despair that I have picked up. Please fill me with your Holy Spirit and replace these temptations with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. Please give me the desire and the power to let go of things that offend me. I pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Will you pray that with me? Heavenly Father, we're going to pray this prayer together because I don't want to be prideful. And Lord, I can be prideful about how I pray. I can be prideful that I'm more humble than other people. I can compare myself endlessly. I can keep score, and it wears me out. I don't want to posture. I don't want to pose. I want to be authentic. I want to be like you. I don't want to be angry and resentful. I don't want to walk around upset and bothered all the time. I want to love people the way you love people, the way you love me. So, Lord, I just want to pray this prayer. Lord, I realize that the hurtful things that people say and do are more than I can bear. Please cleanse me of any anger or impatience or sadness or despair that I've picked up. Please fill me with your Holy Spirit. Please replace these temptations with love and joy, with peace and patience, with kindness. And please give me the desire and the power to let go of things that offend me. I pray these things in the name of Jesus. I pray these things in the strong name of Jesus. If that is your prayer today, then out loud would you say amen. Amen simply means I agree.